0: This is the Life Church podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to LifeChurchNow.org. I'm going to invite the Castillo family up here. I tell you what, I, I love seeing them come up here now because it gives me a little bit of a flashback. Twenty-six years ago, my, my wife and I and our three sons uh, got on an airplane and made our way to Bangladesh, and uh, I see them now, just so you know, okay, so... To this day at AGWM, every once in a while, our names come up, and this is what, they, this is what follows. Oh, yeah, Richard and Christy Green is, oh, yeah, and the Green Boys. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but just wanting you know. I, I'm especially excited to have these guys here because uh, we're cousins. No, <laughs> we're not really cousins, but, but we're both from Panama, okay? There's a little bit of a generation gap because I, I left Panama in 1980. I don't know how, you, how old you were in 1980. Born in 82. 80. Okay, so he wasn't even around. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So is, okay. I, I, I'm going. I'm going. I'm gone. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm, ex- I'm especially excited because here's the thing. I, I really connected with, with Francisco and, and Lisa. I love Lisa too. I'm not, i know her. I've, I've I've I taught a class where she was a part of the class. She very. She was one of the best students in the class. But I really I really appreciated getting to know Francisco because I grew up in the country of Panama not being a Christian. I had never been to church. In fact, I didn't even know that there were evangelical churches in Panama. I think that they were, but I just didn't know any of them. And, uh, and then to see this brother who's got a heart for God and a heart for missions is just uh, so refreshing, brother. So I love you. Love you guys. Love all these, love this family. Can you imagine, can you imagine what it's like? You're in your career. You're going through your life, and suddenly God says, hey, interruption. Uh, I know you're in your mid-30s and all, but it's time to interrupt everything and pick up this family and take them to Columbia. We should, uh, we should honor them for that. Amen. For hearing and receiving that. Amen. What you guys do.
1: Buenos dias. I'd like to give just a little background, a little framework to where Jesus came as far as history. So Jesus came in this place in history that the religious were the people who were in charge of, of, the, of their society. They ruled their society. And through the Gospels, we can hear about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, and all these other guys that were there. But today, I want to emphasize just a little bit about the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? Have we, have we heard about the Pharisees? We have, we've heard of them, right? There's a song by Richie Ray and Bobby Cruz called The Pharisees. Look it up. It's a good one. <laughs> um, anyway, so these guys were, were guys that were passionate and zealous about the law, right? And about God and the law. The Israelites had become... Captive to Babylon, and in this time they had they had become captive because they they were going back and forth from idolatry, right? They would worship false gods, and then they would repent and ask for forgiveness, and God would forgive them, and they would. It it was a cycle, until finally God said, "You know what? It's been enough. You're gonna go to Babylon." So the Pharisees came about because of this, and they become they became um, their influence became so strong that Israel never again went back to idolatry. Which is pretty, pretty powerful. Um, but somewhere in between that, that journey, they forgot, they lost touch with those outside their circle. So the Bible says here in this verse that Jesus walked among these guys and he saw them and he felt compassion for them. Now the Pharisees didn't have compassion for them. So I think that, I feel that here in the Bible when it says they were harassed and, and helpless, it's very familiar to our society today, where we see everyday people walking through, going through life like a sheep without a shepherd. And I identify, we identify this and, and, we, and we think to ourselves, what can we do for these people? What can we do to reach these people around us? And that was the, the challenge that got put into my life specifically when I first Um, maybe three years ago um, God really woke me up from a slumber that I was in and revealed to me that he had people specific people in my life that he wanted me to touch and reach and I wasn't doing that I was living like a Pharisee amen so my wife is gonna expand a little bit in this topic so uh, believe me when I say she's by far more interesting than me
2: Um, I absolutely love this view. I just sense this really sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in this service, and in the other two services, the Holy Spirit was here, but there's something about this service that I'm just sensing is really, really special. There's somebody here that needs a word, and um, I'm going to do something just a little bit different here. God's given us this scripture, and I want to expand a little bit on the highlighted sets of words that are up here, but my husband talked a little bit about the ministry that we're going to be doing. And um, the why behind that really connects with our stories. We really believe in the power of a story. We believe that your story can be somebody else's miracle. And my husband's story is one of, you know, becoming comfortable and lukewarm and kind of static, no movement, distracted by his own self and life. And then God came and gave him this urgency to wake up and to see those people around him. And there's power in that story. And then there's my story. How many of you know that there's no greater evidence to the reality of who God is than a life that has been transformed by the power of his saving grace? How many of you know that? That's your story. How many, that's your story. See, that's my story. And that's the reason why We're going, we're following Jesus. He went, so we're going. And I just felt really prompted by the Holy Spirit to share just a little bit of my story with you. I grew up in the church. I knew that the Lord loved me because the Bible told me so. My mom was faithful to having us go every Sunday, every Wednesday, really involved. Asked the Lord to be my savior when I was nine years old. But in the midst of life, things happen. No Christian's immune to problems. And so my parents actually got divorced when I was six. And by the time that I hit middle school, high school, I had a lot of questions. And it just seemed like they weren't being answered. And, you know, at that point, I was, I was so drawn to other people that I went to school with who were kind of dealing with the same issues that I was dealing with. And at that crossroads moment, I began to make some decisions that would create consequence in my life. Instead of going to somebody who was within the church that was able to give me godly counsel... I turned the other direction and got involved with really unhealthy relationships and to make a long story short by the time that I was 18 years old I had been in and out of treatment for drug addiction. It got so bad I actually had to turn myself in to the hospital. And after that moment it was as if I was at another crossroads and How many of you know that when you're making these decisions and God is not the center of your life, sin will take you a lot farther than you want to go? I bet there's so many that have heard that. And so I found myself in this downward spiral of a deep, dark place of continuing to use and getting involved in a very perverted lifestyle. But how many of you know that there is truth to what the Word of God says, and the word of God says that the power there's power in the prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And there were women at my church who I had grown up under who were praying fervently before the throne of God for my life. And one of them was my mother. And in 2 in 2003 God came and he completely severed All of my relationships, he wrecked me and I ended up coming back and recommitting my life to the Lord. So this girl who used to once be a drug addict and insecure and not sure about life, hidden away, not confident, is now standing here before you at Life Church in Coralville, Iowa telling you that I am going to Columbia as a missionary to work with other young women and people down there that were in that place that I once was. That's God, that's God, I'm proof and I know that there are stories out here that can say hey I'm proof too, I'm true and that's why we're going. Because God has done something in our lives that we can't shake. It's forever. It says in the word that he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I'm a new creation and my husband's a new creation. So that's why we're following Jesus. He went. He went. That's the first thing I just want to expand on for a moment. Jesus knew firsthand what it was to be human. He knew what it was to serve on the field. He was a man that was on a mission and he was focused because he knew that his time was short. Our time is short, church. He was aware of that. And what I found so neat as I was doing a little bit of study on this was up to this point, Jesus had been the one that was doing the ministry. It says there that he was going throughout all the cities and villages and he was teaching and he was proclaiming the gospel and he was... Um, healing every sickness and disease. But it's here in Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38 where we see this shift happen to where he is actually getting the disciples involved in this mission. Because if you look at verse 38, he's telling them to ask the father to send laborers out into the harvest field. And he's pointing his finger right at them they get sent out right after this. Jesus was asking them to go where he had gone, the places that they had walked with him to minister to the people that he had been ministering to. And I think it's so amazing because as I was doing study on this scripture, God showed me this first point. And I want you to put it up here, please. People were Jesus' priority. People were Jesus' priority. There was nothing else that came first besides, of course, his father, but people. People were his priority. And he understood the reality of the temporal. Everything is temporal except for three things. God, his word, and people. People. If you're staking on anything else, it's not going to last. Those are the only three things that are eternal. And he devoted himself to reaching people everywhere. This is what I love about Jesus is that he was not a respecter of places. You know, if he was on this earth today, you would see him under the bridge with a drug addict and the needle hanging out of their arm. Yeah, you'd see him there. Or what about, and I'm not, I'm not going to say this in any way, to say that this would be appropriate just for anybody, okay? But this is to the extreme that he went because he was God. But you would probably see him in a brothel. Oh yeah, you would probably see him in a brothel. What about within a school system? They're trying to take God out of schools, but he's there, he's there, he's within the school system. And you get glimpses of him here and there. It's been so amazing to to hear stories of my children who have said, God showed up today in school, Mom. He's not a respecter of places. He will go wherever it is that he needed to go, and he devoted himself to go. We see him going to the righteous and the sinners. We see him going to the rich and the poor. We see him going into the houses of those that everybody else rejected. And he said, I came to go and break beyond the barriers of what has been taught, like my husband was talking about, the Pharisees and this legalism. I'm going to show you love. I'm going to show you something different about who I really am. And so neat because I think, you know, everywhere that Jesus went, he brought cheer, he brought love, he brought forgiveness, and he never, ever, ever failed to have compassion on those that he was around. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter if they had anything to give him. It didn't matter their background, what they had done. He never failed to have compassion. That's the God that we serve. The second thing that really stuck out to me was Jesus saw. Jesus saw, and I think this is probably my favorite portion of the message because God's been doing this in me and my husband's lives and even in my children's life. Jesus saw the crowds. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus sees differently than those that were around him. He was able to perceive the inner workings of those that were around him. And as I was doing a little bit of study On this word, I'm kind of a nerd like that. Like I really like to study and I really like to dig deep into um, psychology. It's like my favorite. Um, I love the way the brain works and I think it's just fascinating. But I was doing this study on the word look and on the word see. And looking takes but a moment. Looking is being aware of somebody or something in the room. But to see... To really see something, it takes intentional observation. I thought that was so cool because it was as if Jesus noticed, he intentionally observed something within the people's lives around him that nobody else saw. And this was all the time, every day. He was so in tune with the spirit that he could see the minds and the hearts of those around him in such a way that his heart had compassion for them. You know, I'm guilty of this, but we go about our day, and many times me. I go about my day, and I think and I portray that everything's okay with those around me. Think about that for a minute. They look all right. They look all right. They got a good job. They got a family. They got a nice house, car, job. But see, Jesus was able to see past that. Do we look and portray like everything's okay in those that are around us? Or are we really able to see them for who they really are? There's people all around us who need Christ. Do we see them? There's even believers who are struggling to walk with Christ. Do you see them? All around us are believers who are desperately wanting to be connected. And they're entrenched in loneliness. Do you see them? I wanted to share a little testimony. A couple weeks ago, we went to uh, a church in Waverly. And uh, I was telling my husband as we were driving there that I really felt the Holy Spirit was prompting me to speak to somebody that needed to be introduced to him, that needed to know that he was on the hunt, that he was pursuing them. And so we get to this hotel, and that morning when we got up, we went down to breakfast, and I'm sitting there, and I notice this lady that rushes into the hotel. And all of a sudden, I see her. I see her, and I'm like, okay, yeah, she's the one. She's the one. And so I tell my husband, I say, okay, um, this is what we're going to do. I still got the curlers in my hair, you know, and I'm not ready to go. We have a time limit here. We have to be to the church. We're on a mission, right? We're on a mission to go and minister to the people at the church. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to finish getting ready quick, take the boys, the stuff outside, and then I'll come down and I'll talk to her. See, God had different plans. Uh huh. I get up to the room, right? And this is no joke. Ask my husband. This is for real. I'm telling the truth. We get up to the room, and no more than 30 seconds later, I hear a knock on the door. And I go, and it's this lady. And she's like, hey, um, I was in the room, a couple um, rooms down here, and I was cleaning. And do you guys want this food? It's unopened. And uh, I just saw that you guys had kids, and so I just wanted to offer it to you. And I'm thinking to myself, you saw her, God, and you allowed me to see her, and this is my opportunity. I didn't even have to go to her. She came to me with food, and I'm thinking, hey, I got some food for you. I got some food for you. And so I got to pray with her. She opened up about some things that were happening in her life, invited her to church. She ended up not going, but I believe that there was a seed that was planted, And it was just an awesome God moment. God sees them. And if we're available, and if we're willing, we're going to be able to be able to see them as well. We're going to be able to see them as well. Have you actually taken time, church, to really look into people's faces when you're out in public? Instead of just walking by, this is something that I've been practicing. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been looking at you. And everywhere that I go, I look and I observe people because I believe that every day is a mission. Every day is a mission. There's always an opportunity for somebody to be drawn closer to Christ. So this brings us to the last one here. And the second point, actually, that I want to really um, not forget this service (laughs) was Jesus was never preoccupied with the immediate pressures of life. That is why he could see. He wasn't distracted by everything that had to be done. You see, I'm one of those people that I'm very type A. I'm very orderly and structured, and I have to get a certain amount of things done within a day to feel like I've accomplished something, like I'm productive, right? Right? And God has really just taken that control side of who I am, to say, hey, I want to take you on divine detours and distractions, because it's not about you, it's not about what you have to get done, but it's about the mission. It's about why I came, and what I see, and I want you to be able to see those around you that are hurting, and that are lost, and that are suffering, and that are searching for something more than the world has to offer, I want you to see their hurt. I want you to see their pain. I want you to see that they're looking for a friend. Jesus saw differently, and he was never, ever preoccupied with the immediate pressures of life. That's why he had compassion. He had compassion, because he could see, because he went. He was obedient. So the third thing here... um, or the fourth set of words, was he said. He went, he saw, he had, and he said. This part is probably the most important. Um, It's when Jesus is asking. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. So what is he talking about? He's talking about prayer. This has become a lost art in the world of Christian. It seems like we can talk about prayer, we can go to conferences about prayer, we can read about prayer, but what about actually praying? What about that spiritual discipline of really spending time in God's presence? How long has it been that you have been in that secret place with God and you have been on the floor just weeping for those people in your family or weeping for those people that you know that do not know the Lord. This was something that God, Jesus, modeled for his disciples. And his prayers were so powerful. There was something about his prayer that they asked him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? He was always praying. The word of God says that he would go throughout the whole evening sometimes and pray fervently interceding for the lost and for his disciples and for the mission. It starts with prayer. It starts with that internal change in us that will ignite that passion, that motivation for the mission, and for compassion for the lost. There's no other way, church. It has to come from him. I remember after I recommitted my life to the Lord, God uh, supplied me with a roommate. And um, I noticed that every morning she would get up and she'd be eating her cereal, reading the Bible. Her name's Julia. And I remember she challenged me. She said, I'm going to give you a challenge, Lisa. I want you to wake up an hour early every day for a week, <laughs> just one week. And I want you to spend time with God. Praying, reading the word. There's not a formula to it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy, enjoy time with Jesus. And I thought, wow, an hour, that's a long time, you know. Like, but she said, I can promise you that it will revolutionize your life. It will change where you go and what you see. And I thought, you know what, I'll take you up on that. I'm always about a challenge. <laughs> I'm like, sure, I'll try it, yeah, yeah. I'll give a little bit more of my time. It's a discipline. So I did it every morning, an hour. And I timed it, put an alarm on, you know. I'm a very timely person. It's kind of a strength but a weakness at the same time. And I remember just spending time with God and I haven't stopped since. Not that it's always been easy, not that I've really felt like it some of the time, but it's become a, a lifestyle to me. It's become to a point that I can't go out, with, I, can't, I can't live without it. It's like the air that I breathe, it's like the food that I eat. And wow, has it changed the way that I see people? The adventures that I have with God each and every day, the wonder of who God is and what He's able to do through somebody like me and somebody like you. God wants us to come to a place of doing business in deep waters. And it's only through prayer that he reveals the hidden secrets of the kingdom of God where he reveals this understanding of the reality of the temporal and really who he is and what he's able to do. We need to get to a place where we are asking God that we may go and we may see and we may say, send me, send me, God. Doesn't mean you gotta go overseas, but it means send me to my mother, to my brother, to my sister, to my aunt, to my grandma. Send me to my neighborhood and my community and those that live around me. Send me to my grocer, My grocer started going to church, guys, in Ames. He's no respecter of places. My librarian, my daycare worker. Ask, because what he wants is he wants you to come to a place in your relationship with him where you say, God, I want your will to be done in my life, in my heart, on earth as it is in heaven. He wants you to come to a place. Let me say that one more time. He wants you to come to a place where you are asking him, God, I want your will to be done in my life, in my heart, in my family, on earth as it is in heaven. And then that is what's going to spark to go and to see. Amen. Can you think of what it must have been like to be one of the disciples and travel with Jesus? I mean, think about it, waking up every day and just being like, okay, where are we going to go today? You know, who are we going to see? What are we going to learn? That's the life that God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to be comfortable, He doesn't want us to get into routine. He wants us to break beyond what has always been familiar, what is easy and what is comfortable to go out and to make a difference for his kingdom and to show people the reality of who he is through the life that you live, through the words that you speak, through the way that you treat people, through the confidence that you have in him. They watched him heal the sick. They listened to him teach. They saw him feed the hungry. They saw him available, not in a rush, but available to the rejected, loving the unloved and accepting everybody. They watched him in fervent prayer, observed his obedience, the way that he connected and comforted people. They watched him wash feet. And then they watched him go to a cross. God's inviting us to travel with him he's still in the business of doing miracles. He's still in the business of changing lives. Remember, I'm one of them. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because I know that what he did in me, he can do for somebody else. And that's a regular prayer of mine. God, do what you did for me in somebody else's life. You're still able. There is nothing impossible for God. He is alive and he is ready. But are we available? Are we available to go? Are we available in prayer to really begin to see the mission for what we were created and the purpose for why we are here on this earth? If you're questioning, why in the world am I here on this earth? You have deep questions about life. That is your purpose. Your purpose is that you are here to glorify him, to make his name famous, that he may use us. To be his hands and feet. That's why he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that resurrection power within us, to be witnesses. It doesn't say there's any other reason, but to be witnesses in the way that we live. So, in conclusion, finally, (laughs) maybe you're in this place and you've never heard the name of Jesus. And I've said this every single church. I mean, every single service. I really hope that there's somebody in here that's never heard the name of Jesus before. Today's your opportunity to meet him. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Coming from me, it's worth it. Nothing better in life. Nothing better in life than to surrender yourself to do what God created you to do. He's got something for each and every one of you, something very specific that nobody else in the whole entire world can do but you. And then there's maybe some of you here and you're like, hey, you know what? I kind of fall into that second category. You know, I started this Christian thing, but what you're talking about, this resurrection power, this life, this excitement about every day, waking up and having a purpose and having meaning, I don't feel it, Lisa. God wants to awaken you to a greater dimension of the supernatural of his presence in everyday life. That's why he came and died, church. He came and died for you to experience heaven on earth. Not just to get to heaven, but to experience it here and to have abundant life here in this place. So go beyond the borders. I challenge you whether it be prayer, whether it be stepping out in faith in an area that God has said, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go. I promise you, you'll begin to see things that you've never seen. And the world will become a small place while heaven will become a large place.